What is the nature of the inner meaning of the word? What is God's will for each of us? We explore these questions, as well as family relationships in the afterlife, and what makes up God's omniscience right now in the NCE Spotlight. You're home for fresh insights and spiritual musings from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Knock, knock. Who's there? It's Chelsea and Curtis, your best buds. Hey, hey. Hey, come on in. I can make room for you here. Thanks, thanks. Well, thanks, Dr. Jonathan Rose, for squeezing us into your schedule and your office. We'll pull up a couple of seats here. You're not busy or anything, right? No. Good. Well, here we are, and because I can't wait to hear what's what's on your mind, what has been flashing across your desk as you're doing your editing work for the New Century Edition translation of right now, the focus is Secrets of Heaven. So I don't know where you are exactly, but... I've been editing in later volumes, but I've been thinking a lot about Secrets of Heaven Volume 3. It's being typeset right now, and it's going to come out soon. Exciting. And uh, it's interesting how when you edit these passages that you sometimes see patterns. I imagine different people would see different patterns in there, but they're just fun to pull these different passages together. Mm. And the pattern that I'm looking at today is that, to my mind, from an earthly perspective, from the perspective I've had most of my life, heaven seems very far away. Sometimes you're not even sure it's there or, or what's going on. Other times you get little glimpses or something. And then the divine seems even farther. Swedenborg talks about you know, God being far above the heavens and, and all that. So it seems like there's this vast space um, but sometimes Swedenborg talks about a spiritual or divine perspective that kind of brings them together, which is the project, is it not? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's bring heaven and earth together and God closer to humankind and all that. And so here's one little hint from 2310 subsection 4. It says, the inner meaning that sanctifies the word, meaning the Bible. So the Bible has this inner meaning. And he says, the inner meaning that sanctifies the word is heavenly and divine, and it unites heaven with earth. In other words, it unites angelic minds with human ones, and in the process, unites human minds with the Lord. Hmm. So to me, that had an interesting kind of a B, C, and then C, A shape or, or something. Yeah, right. I mean? Yeah, and what a... What a pleasant surprise at the end there that we got united to the Lord through this process. Yeah, and I like to think of how it seems the angels are also interested in having our minds connect with God. You know, like <laughs> they're they're like, yeah. hey, get connected to this divine being. It's really cool. You know, <laughs> and it is about the the minds. You know, our thinking and our feeling. Uh, that's a place where we can connect with with angels and ultimately with with God. So the word is something that has this effect of bringing them together. I know it sort of gets more at the the spiritual nature of what that inner meaning is because you can sort of think like wait, does it have to do with this like book that's sitting on a table? Like what's how is mm. there an inner meaning in this physical object? But it's it makes sense when you are talking about that level of the mind, our spirits being united is where the power mm. of it is. Yeah, it opens up and how is there a connection 
unless it's a mental connection like he's talking about. I Oh, we, we both understand the same thing, so we have this connection, or we understand things that are complementary, so we were connected that way. That makes so much more sense than some abstract, the worlds are touching in some way that doesn't come into our consciousness. Mm, I like that. That's beautiful. This next one I've got is 2335 subsection 3, and I'll just read the last bit of it. The Lord never judges anyone from anything but goodness. He wants to raise everyone into heaven without exception. In fact, if he could, he would lift us all right up to his own level. Hmm. So there again, I like that sense of, you know, all oh, these differences, who, who cares? You know, let's, let's pull this together. Not only for us to be at the level of heaven, which seems impossible some days, and, and then, no, let's go right up to the divine level. Yeah, I feel like that's so the important. Divine love wants to pull us on that level. We've gotten questions often, and in one of our recent live shows as well, of people being like, "I don't like the sound of a life review," and or and of course, people have issues about the whole idea mm. of some divine judgment happening. But right, it totally makes sense when it only happens from love. You know, like it's sort of like if you're a kid and you finally break down and, you know, whatever, tell the truth about something or whatever. But the response you get is from somebody who is the most loving being possible and understands who you are, is mercy itself, you know, wants to be helping you and supporting you. That that experience of judgment is totally different. You know, that's like an asset because wow. they're on your side. I never quite thought about it that way. Yeah. I think people get this negative picture of God judging and life reviews or spiritual examination because we we don't always have it in the front of our mind that God is goodness. So mm-hmm. right. we think of God as a, a person and pe- the people that we know are arbitrary and sometimes their motives are good and sometimes they're bad. But with God, God is goodness. So goodness is judging you. So of course, goodness judges from an intent to do good to you. So that any any interaction, right. any approach the divine has towards you, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you've done, it, the intent is, to all extent possible, do good to you. So that's, that's a pretty important thing to try to emblazon in your mental picture of God. That thought's really striking to me right now to think about, yeah, of course, it's not pointless um, suffering or something, uh, that love wants to heal. You know, we get a little banged up in the course of our lives in this world, and we feel bad about this, and we regret that, and evil spirits and head bullies have been beating us up about the other thing. And and to sit in the presence of love and say, here's how I see that event. Here's how I see this part of your life. Mm. That would be really powerful and cleansing and healing, wouldn't it? I think that would be just about the ultimate experience, right? The next passage I've got is 2569, and it goes even farther in a way into this idea of flattening, and it's talking about what happened in Jesus himself when he was in this world. Swedenborg says that he had a divine part and he had a human part, and those two came together, which is hard to even fathom, Mm -hmm. and that 
led to a kind of flattening of, of the worlds. See what you think of this passage. Mm -hmm. When the human part had united with the divine part and the divine part with the human in the Lord, he possessed all knowledge. He possessed the knowledge not only of the divinely heavenly plane and the divinely spiritual plane, but also that of planes below the heavenly and spiritual ones, or in other words, knowledge of the rational and earthly planes. Divinity itself, like a sun that radiates all the light there is, causes everything to be seen as immediately present. That that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you think I've, I think it's such an important point that God has the higher knowledge that God embodies it sure it takes into account higher more lofty things you think of course God knows about the grand sweeping arc of human history and God knows about moral truth and like you know stone pillars but also God knows everything that's happening on TikTok yeah <laughs> that it encompasses all the other knowledge that there is. So it's not, to be spiritual is not to be aloof. No, science and business and, and all of it. And to think of that compressing effect. Mm. And I think this explains something to me about Swedenborg's reality because uh, he wasn't born in this condition, but he, but he came into that situation in his 50s where heaven and earth start to get layered on each other, and by the time he's done, you, you can hardly tell the difference which world he's talking about. Uh, they're just layered and compressed. But if the divine presence has that effect of, like, flattening the world and seeing them all, oh, they're much more alike than they are different. Yes. It's wild. It's It's like, I know you can't really think about it from a physical thing. Like, there's no... Uh, it's not a physical reality, it's a spiritual reality that he's describing, that it's a, you know, being immediately present, everything being immediately present to God. We can try to think about it in temporal terms, but that, you know, makes us go a little crazy. But I'm just trying to think of sort of physical analogs, and it makes me think of, uh, you know, with modern science, we understand now how much information is packed into our DNA, you know, or something. Or then even with computers, it's like chips that get smaller and smaller and yet can hold more and more mm. information, more data is stored in things. And to just think of that compression, as you say, of somehow God on a divine scale is able to have everything be immediately present. Uh, you know, I can't fathom it, but I feel like it's through what Swedenborg has written that I, I get a sense of how I can trust that it makes sense because there's some way that God is always present to every person, you know, everybody in their own soul. And so then that sort of ends up being everywhere and being able to account for everything. Hmm. Right now, it's striking me as the coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think the computer chip analogy is great. I mean, I'm sitting in front of a computer right now and with the web on it, not immediately, but so much more is present to me right. than would have been before they invented it, that I can, within a very short span of time, have looked at an image, have learned facts about almost anything. And 
So God is just can do that quicker and more comprehensively, but it's like we are there's a little fac- facsimile of yeah. that in some of the advances you're talking about. That's wild. I love it. And my fourth example here is uh, from section 2360. It brings up an interesting point I hadn't really thought about before, which is that we live in a world where you might know your grandparents if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might know your great-grandparents. But pretty soon the generations just roll away. After five or six generations, you hardly know anything about those people unless they were extraordinarily famous or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so with the sort of deference that you would owe to, well, this is my great-aunt, you know, um, what is it like to go to the other world where there are people who are, you know, 20,000 years older than you are yeah, and, yeah. and many, 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 many generations? And Swedenborg says, well, it's not exactly that way. He says, in the word, a sibling symbolizes the same thing as a neighbor because we each ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. The people here then are called brothers from love or what is the same from goodness. The reason for labeling or addressing a neighbor as a sister or brother is that the Lord in heaven is everyone's parent and loves us all as his children. And love, therefore, ties us together spiritually. As a result, heaven in its entirety resembles a single generation because of the love and charity there. There's no great, 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 third, great, removed, what? No, no, siblings. Oh, that's interesting. See what I mean? A flattening effect. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Just, just siblings, that's all. A single generation, yes. We're all one family. That's really interesting. I don't know if I've ever heard it quite like that. Thank you so much, Jonathan. This has been such a great visit to have with you. So, And thanks, Curtis, for coming along. Oh, wouldn't miss it. I I think it's an honor to have used up some of your time, Jonathan. (laughs) It's going to be hard to get my mind back in my brain now, but (laughs) it's been fun. Yes, fitting fitting that spirit back into the body, back into everything. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's so, so nice to get to spend some time thinking about these things. And it just gives me a number of different takeaways that I feel like will, I'll be keeping with me throughout you know, the next week or however long these little gems will carry their light. So thanks so much. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights from the New Century Edition translation and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. As we travel into the past, we find it is eminently relevant to the present. And if you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com donate. Give if you can, receive if you need. We're all in this together, and we're so glad you're here. <laughs>